Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. It's true, Bible student. Hey, let's jump right into the word. Nehemiah 4, uh, chapter 4, we find the character of Nehemiah. He's returning home to Jerusalem with intentions to rebuild this city that he's just found out is in ruins. Okay, this once glorious city is now in shambles, and uh, he feels convicted, he feels purposed to lead this rebuilding of the city. But what makes this task so challenging is uh, Jerusalem, which again was in essence deemed God's city. It's where the temple was. It's where the, you know, the primary worship happened for the Jews for the past 50 years. It's been overrun and destroyed by the Babylonians physically and culturally. The place is unrecognizable. It doesn't even look the same anymore. And the Jews have been in oppression for the past 50 years. So where we're picking up in this book of Nehemiah, they're all finally getting freed from their oppression and they're making their way back to their homeland in Jerusalem. Once again, only to find that this once glorious city is now in complete shambles, but Nehemiah, our our main character here, he takes it upon himself to rally and to lead the people in the rebuilding of the wall that's around Jerusalem. There was this uh, mighty wall around the city, but the wall has holes in it. It's been broken down, and he wants to rebuild the wall for protection from against enemies. So here's where we pick up. Nehemiah Nehemiah 4, uh, verses 10 through 14, it says this. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired, and there's so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. You can hear it in their voices. I'm tired of carrying sticks and stones trying to rebuild this wall. My arms and my forearms are hurt. I have blisters on my hands. This is taking forever. I'm tired. I'm worn out. Feels like this is taking forever. I don't know if we're ever going to get this done. Meanwhile, verse 11, meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and will kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack you. They're saying, you don't have time to be tired. You don't have time. You need to keep working your enemy. they're, They're always on the prowl. No breaks. Keep building. So chapter goes on to say, so I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families with armed, armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then I looked over the situation. I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and he deems this challenge. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. The message version, it says it like this. I stationed armed guards at the most vulnerable places on the wall and assigned people by families with their swords, lances, and bows. After looking things over, I stood and I spoke to the noble officials and everyone else and I said, don't be afraid of them. Put your minds on the master. He's great and awesome. And then fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. In week three of healthy relationships, I, I, I want to talk to you about strong families. I want to talk to you about building strong 
families. The title of my message this morning is going to be The Fight for Family. The Fight for Family. Hey, let's pray and then I'll jump into this. Jesus, uh, God, I just pray that you would come meet with us right now. Father, as we open up your word, as we, as we go through it, even as I preach it, I pray that you would allow us to experience it in a divine way. I pray that you would use me in a divine way, Lord. And God, as the seed of your word goes forth, I pray that it would land on fertile hearts, it take root in our heart and produce fruit in our lives, Lord. We want to be transformed by your word that's alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. God, you have permission to do whatever you want to do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, uh, I, I want to talk about strong families, and I have a little bit of family experience myself. A lot of them are sitting on this front row here. I grew up in a family of six, three sisters, a mom, and a dad. Now I have a wife, no kids, but we're practicing. Hey, now. Hey, now. <laughs> Come on, let it settle. If you, if you didn't laugh, loosen up. Let's go. Uh, in my own experiences... Come on, we have fun in church. In my own experience, we're married, y'all. Come on. In, <laughs> oh, man. This is like you. This is like. This is, <laughs> this is like youth ministry all over again. Y'all are immature. Y'all are immature. <laughs> all right, come on. In my, in my own experiences, in, in observing the experiences of others, I think we could all agree that the business of building strong families is nothing short of a daunting task, right? It can be daunting at times. It can be hard. It can be difficult. It can be sad. It can be happy. It can be joyful. I think every family goes through different seasons. I can remember as kids, uh, you know, mom and dad sitting on the couch on a Friday night, and each kid gets to pick out their favorite Backstreet Boy song, and we get to come into the living room, right? And we, both, we all get our turn performing, uh, and mine was always the best, for sure. You know, you know, I'll show you. No, that's okay. Um, you know, there's these moments with family where it's humorous and it's memorable and it's the, these great times. And I really feel like God has given us family to, you know, have some of those moments. And, and I think we cherish those moments. But I'd also suggest sometimes family can be a lot like building that wall with Nehemiah and his men, right? Did you read verse 10? It says the workers were getting tired. There's so much rubble to be moved. And they're thinking, we'll never build this wall. I've been trying to balance work and family, but I'm tired. There's so much to do. I've been trying to love my husband better, but he's still not making efforts. I, I, I don't know what to do. There's so much to do. There's so much rubble to be moved. I've, I've been trying to keep a better eye on my kid, but they keep straying from the path. I'm tired. There's too much rubble to be moved. It feels like we're never going to finish, and it's always going to be like this. Meanwhile, remember what the verse said, the enemy was always waiting to attack from all directions, right? Verse 11, it says, meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. And maybe some of us, we find ourselves in this place this morning and we've just settled. Thinking, eh, my family's not perfect, but this is going to be the way it's going to be. Eh, little Johnny, he's acting up. I've tried. I've tried. And, and meanwhile, we said we're tired. There's, there's too much rubble to be moved. It's, it's going to take forever. 
feels like it's taken forever to get our family to be where we want it to be. And I'm in this place this morning to encourage somebody. Come on, don't you dare let the enemy have your marriage. Don't you dare let the enemy have your kids. Don't you dare agree to the thought, this is just going to be the way it's going to be. I want to encourage you this morning, don't stop fighting. Don't stop fighting. Remember Nehemiah's charge. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives and fight for your homes. Don't stop fighting. This morning I want to share four qualities of a strong biblical family with you. Is that okay? Y'all good to talk about families? All right, if you're taking notes, point one, it's this. Strong families play together. Strong families play together. Philippians 2, verses 3 through 4, it says this. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This verse is saying, consider others more important than yourselves. It's not just always about you want. It's not just always about what you want to do, what you like, what your hobbies are, what your interests are. Consider the interests and hobbies in, uh, of those around you. Okay, a perfect example of this. I'll be vulnerable with you here as your pastor. Y'all know I always am. When I wake up on my day off, it is so easy for me to deflect and neglect any request that Abigail makes for the day. Okay, it's my day off. I'll be honest, I like to maybe sleep in a little bit, maybe rest a little bit. The last thing I want to do is go to the garden shop and observe mini cacti for 30 to 40 minutes on my day off. That's not what I'm interested in doing. But I will say this, the joy that it brings my wife to go observe these spiky little plants for 30 or 40 minutes is hard to replicate when I stay in bed resting, right? And it's funny, but, but, but let's break it down. Moms, when the, when the day is coming to a close, when you've got the kids fed, when you gave them their baths, you got them in their jammies, you're on that last home stretch, they're about to be asleep, praise the Lord. Mom, would you read me a story? I hate you. No. <laughs> Mama, I want to encourage you this morning to read the story because that's their interest. Consider them more significant than yourselves. Consider that their interests, not just your own. Dads, you get home from a long day, you want to unwind, kick your shoes off, maybe sit on the couch, take some time to chill. You've been balancing work, family, maybe a best, uh, clingy best friend. Come on, we all got them. Let's just be honest. But you walk in the door and the kid wants to throw the ball and you're like, oh, man, not my interest right now. Dad, I want to challenge you. Throw the ball. Throw the ball. Big sister, you have your friends over and, and little sibling wants to tag along, wants to hang out. I remember that was the worst as a kid. Oh. But I want to challenge you. That's their interest. That's an opportunity to count them more significant than yourselves. Let them hang out. Let them hang out. You know, you, you might think that some of these things are unimportant or irrelevant or even silly to address in church, but these small sacrifices just to play together, I really believe these small sacrifices are mere glimpses of what Christ did for us. He laid his own 
passions down, right? He, Josh read it this, the, the verse this morning, but he made himself nothing. He made himself in, in human likeness for you and for me. If we sacrificially make time to participate in the interest of others, or I'm sorry, if we won't sacrificially take the time, how can we expect to live a life fully devoted to Jesus, who's often us, often calling us to do things that go against our own sinful nature, right? Sometimes to do the things he's called us to do takes a little bit of work, takes a little bit of grit. Um, what if the simple act of playing together, spending time as a family, being intentional with each other, actually doubled as training for loving and serving a lost world? It starts at home. The, the millions of decisions we make that the millions of opportunities we get in the home is training us to be the believers God's called us to be. Strong families play together. Y'all good? Point one. Okay, point two. Strong families grow together. We have strong families play together. Strong families grow together. Speaking of strong families, a great example is in um, the, the second chapter of Luke where Jesus' parents lose him. So they're going into the town. That's not a strong family. That was a joke for those who missed it. Um, but, you know, the Macy's Day Parade is happening in Jerusalem for Passover. So they say, you know what, family trip, let's go celebrate. Come on, this is going to be awesome. They head into the city with their, with their whole town, and they're having a great time. And then, you know, the parade's coming to a close. They ate all the kettle corn they could find. They're like, you know what, let's head home. Where's Jesus? I don't know. I think he's back there riding the camel. We'll be all right. We'll get home. So don't worry about it. They get home, you know, nighttime comes. They're like, all right, where's Jesus? They, they lost the single most important thing ever, um, not parents of the year here. So they head back to Jerusalem to find Jesus, and he's actually teaching teachers in the temple as a young kid. But at, at the end of Luke 2, it says a really profound verse. It's short, but I think it's so interesting. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and people. What, what an interesting thought. Jesus grew in wisdom. He grew in stature, in favor with God and with people. And if Jesus grew in these areas, I think it's a pretty sure sign, church, that we need to be growing ourselves, that we need to be growing in our call, in our purpose, and in wisdom. Strong families, they help each other do that. So this begs the question, okay, so how do, I, how do I make the, the members of my family strong? How can we make each other strong? What are some practical ways to do that, preacher? You know, Ephesians 5.17, it says, don't act thoughtlessly, understand what the Lord wants you to do. And maybe there's some of us in here, we've been kind of going through our family life really with no direction, no vision. We've been acting thoughtlessly. So this morning, what I want to do is give you some vision, give you some instruction, help you understand what the Lord wants you to do, whether you're a wife, husband, daughter, son, whatever, I want to help you understand your role this morning. But first and foremost, this is all of our roles, and we've been talking about this the past three weeks, is to love God and love people. It starts there. We got to love God and love people. I want to talk to spouses first. If you're a spouse in the room, raise your hand, husband or wife. Come on, we got a couple of you. That's good. Here we go. Let's talk to y'all first. Ephesians 5, verses 21 through 25, it says this. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Why are we supposed to submit to one another? Out of reverence. Our submission is actually worship. 
The way we treat our spouse is actually aligned with how we choose to worship God. What an interesting thought. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. So we see this charge here. Husbands, you're called to be the spearhead of your home. You're called to be the leader of your home. Wives, you've been instructed to submit to the leader of your home, your husband. I know there's some negative connotations on there, but I've also never met a Christian wife who said, nah, I don't really want my husband to be the spiritual leader. Not interested. Let's go on to see what the verse says for husbands. Husbands, you listening? Okay, two of you. Praise the Lord. For husbands, verse 25, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? Died for it. So wives, we see this call to submission, but husbands, we see this call to sacrifice. Are we sacrificially loving our wives? Are we sacrificially loving our kids? He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Could it be that God's purpose, he designed marriage. I think sometimes we get in this thought process, and maybe you guys have heard me say this before, but we get with our spouse and somehow we come into this thought process that your job is to make me happy, and when you're not doing that, this isn't working. You aren't making me happy. You aren't making me satisfied. You're not doing the things I want you to do for me. But what if the purpose for marriage wasn't so much to make each other happy, although I think, that, I think that's part of it. I think that happens. But what if instead marriage was actually to make us holy? For me to push you who God's called you to be. Uh, honestly, what if our perspective switched to, man, it doesn't really matter how you treat me. You know, like, I'm not so focused on what you, you're doing for me. I'm focused on, am I helping you become who God has called you to be? If we're both abiding in the Spirit, I bet the fruits of the Spirit are going to be blossoming in that marriage. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Are we just trying to make each other happy? Are we making each other Holy. Every day we wake up as husband or a wife, we have the opportunity to display Christ to our spouse, challenge each other in this, submission and sacrifice. Parents, you ready? Any parents in the room? Raise your hand. You got a kid? Okay. Some still just practicing. That's all right. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 7, it says this. Parents, listen to me now. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands. Let's, let's think about it as the scriptures. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to the scriptures that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home. Talk about them when you're on the road. Talk about them when you're going to bed. Talk about them on the way to the soccer game. Talk about them when you drop them off at school. Talk about them when you are getting up. Talk about God's word. Talk about his plans. Talk about his promises. Talk about his purpose for their life. But also, I want to read to you Titus 2, verse 7. It says this. Parents, this is also for you, and you yourself must be the example. 
Can't just talk about it, though. Y'all got to live it. Y'all got to walk this walk, too. It says, you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Parents, I want to make it really simple. I stole, I stole it from Joni Day about um, baptism. Is that the Holy Spirit? or <laughs> Speak, Lord. Joni Day said this about baptism, but parents, our, our job here is to show and tell. Are we showing and telling? Are we praying with our kids? Like for real, are you going into your kid's room at night before bed, grabbing both of their hands, kneeling beside them on the bed, and praying with them? Before they get out of the car, when you drop them off at school, are you saying, hey, I just want to pray over you really quick. Come on, mom, I just want to get out. Come on, dad, I just, no, 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 I want to pray over you. Parents, are you praying with your kids? Are we reading scriptures with our kids? Are we taking time to teach them the Bible? It's not just Pastor Joni, Pastor Duel, and Pastor Mark's job. Mom, Dad, are you teaching your kids the word? Are you disciplining your children? Are you living a life that reflects what you believe and apologizing for the moments that you don't? Parents, if, if we're growing, if we're being intentional about our own spiritual growth, chances are our kids are going to be experiencing growth as well. Kids, any kids in the room? I know this is big church. I see a couple over here. Come on, can I talk to y'all for a second? When I was, Tyler raised his hand back there. Hey, um, when I was a youth pastor, both youth ministries I was a part of, I always made it a point to do a message on obeying your parents because there's goodies attached to it. There's promises attached to it. So kids, lean in. I got this. It says, children, say yeah. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. Okay, now hang with me. For this is the right thing to do. It says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. So kids, what that means is if you obey mom and dad, if you listen to mom and dad, there's a promise attached to it. There's blessings attached to it. Come on, who wants a free blessing? Might come in the form of blow pops. You know, let's go. If you honor your father and mother, it says this, things will go well for you. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. Are we growing in our roles God has placed on us within our homes, within our families? Strong families play together. Strong families grow together. Point number three, strong families protect each other. Strong families protect each other. As I was preparing this message, I thought about families in the Bible that made great efforts to protect one another. And, you know, a couple of them came to mind. I thought about Moses' mom. When Moses was born, the Pharaoh had made a decree that um, basically the baby boys had to be killed. You know, they were trying to do population control. And Moses' mom is like, I do not want to kill my kid. So she hid him for three months. He's growing. He's getting bigger. He probably cries. He stinks. She probably can't hide him anymore. So out of desperation, out of love, she puts him in a basket, wraps it in tar, and she sends him down the river just trusting God's protection and provision. God, I know this might not be the best thing to do as a mom, but it's the only option I got right now. I want to make every, uh, every effort I have to protect my loved ones. So she sends him down the river. 
I think about Joseph and Mary. Joseph, a young husband, he's, he's engaged to Mary and he finds out Mary's pregnant and he ain't the daddy. And he's like, that wasn't the plan. Um, but you know what, Mary, I want to protect you. I want to protect your reputation. You know, even in maybe some of his hurt, you know, like I've always admired this about Joseph. You read the scriptures that say he wanted to divorce her quietly to honor her, to protect her reputation. So he says, I'll leave you quietly. I won't make a big deal about it. I won't slander your name, you know. I won't do any of that stuff. And then he gets visited, gets a word from the Lord to stay with her. We saw in Nehemiah this charge to protect your families. But what about Rahab? Rahab in the Old Testament, she wants to protect her family members. So she lies for the spies so they can get away. She knows God's people are going to invade the city. And she goes, if, if you'll protect me, I, I'll protect you. I'll, and, and if you save my family, I'll, I'll do this. These acts of desperation to protect your loved ones. But there's a common denominator in all of these stories. And it's that we can only do so much to protect one another in our own power. But at some point, it comes down to the provision and protection of God that solidifies security for us. God uses our actions. Uh, pastor, Gro pastor Craig Rochelle, he's a good pastor of uh, you know, Life Church, and he says it like this. Act like it depends on you. Pray like it depends on God. Act like it depends on you. Pray like it depends on God. Strong families do everything in their power to protect each other. They'll go great lengths to provide security and well-being for the ones they love. But the truth of the matter is our ability to protect each other is limited. At some point it runs out. At some point we're out of reach. At some point they don't listen. Ultimately, the only one who can protect our family for eternity is the eternal God we serve. Protect like it depends on you, but pray for protection from God. I love this psalm. It's Psalm 27, verses 1 through 3. It says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? He's going to protect me. Why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I'll remain confident. Make every effort but depend on God. Dad, talk to the boyfriend. If little girls, they and you be involved in the relationship, you be the protector in the relationship. Moms, carry pepper spray. No, just kidding. Moms, you better speak up for your kids. You better protect your kids. Husbands, protect your wives. Act like it depends on you. Pray like it depends on God. Remember, the greatest way we could protect those we love is to get them to Jesus. Amen. Let Destiny Church raise up families that protect each other with boldness and trust in the Lord. Kim, you can come up to the keys here. My, my final point, strong families protect each other was three. Point four, strong families love God and serve others. Strong families love God and serve others. Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 24, it says this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted 
to keep his promise. The God we serve can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. How are we loving the people around us? Are we being intentional about meeting with each other? Are we being intentional about coming to the house of the Lord? Are we loving God? Are we serving others around us? And I don't know if you saw this coming the whole time or not, but if not, surprise. This message isn't just about raising up strong families. Everything we discuss should ultimately be a picture of what the church is to a lost and broken world. Like, are we raising up people who love God? Are, are we counting others more important than ourselves? Do we honor each other? Do we sacrifice for one another? Are we submitting to the authority God's placed over us? I, I look at the world that we're living in and all I see is brokenness. All I see is divorce and addictions and illness and depression and loneliness, homelessness, neglect and abuse. And, and I wonder is the church, is Destiny Church Marshfield, are we even doing a good job of providing a place where the lost and the broken can come to be loved? be welcomed, be protected, and provided for? Are we providing a place where the lost and the broken can be found and be healed? I know this, it starts in our homes. It starts in our homes. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.